You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Are you a lightweight or are you a heavyweight? Now in some senses, everybody wants to be a heavyweight. Everybody wants to be taken seriously. Everybody wants to be good in their field. Good as a parent. They want to be serious. They want to be good and they want to be a heavyweight. And they want to be someone who, some, who everyone takes seriously. So in one sense, I think we all want to be heavyweights. Or maybe I overstated. But I think most people want to be a heavyweight, a serious person taken seriously. If you will, I'm looking at that metaphorically. In another sense, if we look at the scriptures, we're kind of told that it's probably better off being a lightweight. Not taking ourselves too desperately seriously. Putting others first. And not being the centre of the story or the centre of the party in our lives. In some ways, we're better off being the lightweight. I want to talk to you ever so slightly about those two things because I think being a heavyweight has other complications and I want to look at that this morning. That sometimes we may be heavyweights even without knowing it. We may be carrying around excess baggage and excess weight that we know nothing about whatsoever. I'm going to look at a very familiar story this morning, but before I get to that story, I want to talk about some, an invisible character in this morning's story, an invisible character that's actually in this room today, having an effect on you and on me, and that is gravity, the gift of gravity. God, nothing exists in the universe without the power of gravity. When God created the universe, he created gravity, and gravity is what effectively holds all the objects and the mass. It holds this planet together. It holds it in orbit around the sun. It holds you in your seat this morning as you sit down. If it wasn't for gravity, we'd all just float away, and we certainly wouldn't enjoy the experience. If it wasn't for gravity, we wouldn't be able to breathe because the Earth's atmosphere would not be held onto the planet, which is held on by gravity. Gravity is bearing its effect on your life Time in, time out, day in, day out, and we never really pay attention to it. And of course, gravity wasn't even a thing before Isaac Newton discovered gravity. When he discovered, when the legend goes, that he saw an apple fall to the ground while he was contemplating and reading in his orchard, and then realized, oh, there's a force that's pulling that apple to the ground, and it was named gravity. But of course, it had always existed. And gravity has become proverbial and even metaphorical in, our, in the things that we say. I mean, one of the phrases that's most related to gravity is this one. What goes up must come down. Here's another one. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. That's a gravity. That's gravity. And of course, I love, personally, I'm a fan of Radiohead, the band Radiohead. Tom York in the amazing song, Fake Plastic Trees, has this plaintive line when he says, gravity always wins. It always wins. And because gravity always wins, God always wins. In fact, God uses gravity as an example when he's warning people in the Old Testament through the prophets. Particularly, take an example, they're both in Amos, they're in Zechariah, but there's one in Obadiah, which I particularly like, when the Lord is speaking to the land of Edom, or the nation of Edom, which were an offshoot of the Israelites. And he said to them, Though you soar in the heavens like an eagle... And build your nest among the stars. From there, I will bring you down, says the Lord your God. And God uses gravity as the metaphor to describe the situation that that person faces. 
When God speaks of bringing people down, the hidden part is the gravity. We're subject to it. Now, when we talk about being a heavyweight, gravity is the big thing. People who are heavyweights in their industry, people who are heavyweights in any field of work or life, tend to have a lot of gravity and gravitas about them. They tend to take themselves seriously. They tend to take other people quite seriously. The story I'm going to look at today, one of the invisible characters in it is gravity itself. But gravity is never mentioned. It's only there as you read between the lines. It's a story so familiar that you'll probably want to fall asleep the minute I tell you what story it is. But I don't want you to fall asleep. I want you to just stay with me for just a few minutes. I promise I won't be too long today. Today's story is from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it's the story of, guess what? David and Goliath. A story so familiar that it's known the world over. Whether you're a Hindu, a Buddhist, if you worship in the Shinto tradition, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, whether you're an atheist, you've heard of David and Goliath. It has become metaphorical for the victory of the small guy over the big guy. But in this story, I think there's some things that we need to pay attention to that actually apply to our lives and may not always apply in the good way we think. See, the traditional reading of the story is that, well, you need to be like David. And that when you're, you know, you need to be, have the courage and faith of David and then charge into battle and, and win God's battles for him. That's not the correct narrative interpretation of the story. But we'll have a look at what may be the story in a second. But I want to read God's word. Are you with me on that? We're going to read some verses from the start of the story. And if you will, this, if you will, is the setting of the whole story. The Israelites have come out to fight the Philistines, their enemies, at a place called the Valley of Elah. And once they stand and they face each other, this is where our story picks up. Saul is the king. He was the first king of Israel. Let's read God's word. May it speak to us as we read it. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. The Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the, with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a bee weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Out steps Goliath from the ranks of the Philistines. And he is the hero of modern warfare of the time. He had all of the tech of his time. If it was available, he had night vision goggles, M20s and camouflage. But as it was, he was a hero of his time. And he steps out and he is, in some senses, he is the hero for our time. He's self He's capable, he's able, he's well-armed, he's big, he's strong, he's got the whole lot. And something else that we need to pay attention to in the story is this. He's a very, very big guy. He's over nine feet tall. That means he's a meter taller than me. So he's a meter taller than me, and he weighs at least twice what I weigh, because I have a BMI of about 25. If he was a strong, muscly guy, he probably has a BMI of 30, and he's got a meter more than me, so... I weigh about 82, on the nice side, 82 kilograms. He probably weighed somewhere in the region of 160, maybe even 175 kilograms. Before you put on the approximately 100 kilos of armor that he was carrying. 
So as Goliath stepped out of the ranks, he steps out of the ranks and he's got all of this weight on his back. He's basically got me sitting on his back and it's hard to fight with Michael standing on your back. I'm, I'm not that heavy, but I'm sure he'd get in the way if you were going into a battle and I was hanging off you. So he goes in with all of this armor and he begins his speech. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Then Saul, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So here's the dilemma that they face. A giant, an unassailable giant steps out into their situation, into the battle that they're facing. And they're not able to take him on. They're terrified. Now there is in the Old Testament what we would refer to as the Christological Ark. And the Christological Ark are the stories that lead and display in shadow and in type the story of Jesus Christ and our own personal dilemma. When you read this story, we are the armies of Israel. We are the ones who are threatened with death, with slavery and with destruction and we cannot free ourselves. So God has to send a champion who will set us free from death and slavery. Does anybody see Jesus in the story? Can you begin to see what's going on here? And so out steps Goliath, absolutely full of himself, absolutely confident, carrying all the necessary armor for a natural battle. And Saul and his guys look on and they say, there's no way that we can beat this fella. Enter our man David. You know the story, so I won't dwell on it too much. This is what it says. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephraimite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And Jesse was, old, was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. David was the youngest son, the run to the litter, we would have been called years ago. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. I jump a number of verses because the story goes that David showed up the front line and begins to listen to the Philistine champion and says, you know what, I'll take this guy on. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul the king, I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. Then Saul gave David his, arm, his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And so what we see is David is being drawn in to the battle. He doesn't like the way that the, 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 the Philistine champion is challenging the children of Israel and their God. And he says, I'll take him on. And Saul says, no way can you take on this fellow. You're just a lightweight, David. You're just a young fellow. You're the youngest in your family. You have no experience of fighting in battle. This guy has plenty of experience fighting in battle. And then Saul makes a suggestion. Put on my armor, see how it works out for you. 
And we often think, well, the armour didn't fit David and he kind of walked around clumsily and that kind of stuff. But the actual fact of the matter was that the armour was too flipping heavy for him to carry. It was too heavy and too awkward for him to move in. He wasn't coming to fight in that condition. And there's actual imagery there. Here's a type, here's a shadow being fired up. Saul takes off his armour and gives his armour to the next king of Israel. Do you see what's happening? He's actually handing over the kingship, unbeknownst to himself, to this young fella. It's so symbolic, the exchanging of clothes. We see it with Jonathan and with David. We see it here now with Saul and with David. He exchanges clothes and gives it to him. And so he tries them on. They won't work. He's never worn such things before. Let's continue. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. And you know the next bit. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now, I'm going to pause there because this is important as we look at the story and we look at your life. You see, I want you to see yourself in this story because I think we are all in this story. We just mightn't be the characters that we like to be in this story. When we look at the story, we can compare two people. Goliath of Gath is the champion. He's the number one guy. He's a big, strong, muscly bloke who isn't afraid of anyone. He comes from a strong family of giants who lived in Gath. You can see it recorded in the scriptures. He comes from a strong family. He represents the whole army. The hopes and plans of the nation are resting on his shoulders. So as he steps out into the ranks, he's actually bearing more weight than he imagines. And I think sometimes, brothers and sisters, we bear more weight than we imagine. Because sometimes we're going around with burdens on our shoulders that are actually slowing us down in the fight and are stopping us from fighting the good fight of faith or that we keep on finding that we stumble because we're not able to carry the things that we feel are on our shoulders. As I was looking at Goliath, he had a couple of problems. First of all, he had his body and his muscles and his bones. And then he had, he had all of this weight on him, he had his armor on him, but he had something else on him. He had something on him that you have on you. Psychological weight. Emotional weight. Spiritual weight. Sometimes you have those weights on you. Sometimes we feel the weight of expectation. And the burdens are stone, and we, we, we can't put our finger on it, but there's something bugging us. Sometimes we feel the weight of responsibility. Sometimes it's the weight of responsibility. You see it sometimes in people's faces. I see it particularly in, in the parents of young children. You can see it in their demeanor and their countenance. They're just carrying too much weight in their lives. Sometimes it's the weight of reputation. Sometimes we may have a very good reputation and may need to keep that up. Sometimes we have a bad reputation and we resent the fact that we carry a reputation that we didn't deserve. He was carrying these. Reputation, expectation. What about pride? Anybody here ever carry any pride around with them? Nobody likes to admit to it. It is the most pervasive sin that we have, that we commit. One of the most pervasive our pride. We get hurt when people say things about us that we feel aren't true or say things about us that are wrong or sometimes when they say things to us 
but that are true. Our pride can really hurt. What about heritage and hurt? I want to put in the word here about heritage because this is also what Goliath was carrying as he went into battle. He went in with a weight of heritage. As in the inheritance he had literally in his physical body amongst his brothers from his family. And I feel sometimes, especially Christian young people, feel the weight of heritage. Mom and dad want me to be a good Christian, but I'm not feeling it myself. And so they resist it and they struggle with it. And then they go to school and they find themselves a minuscule, tiny minority in a school. And they find themselves being selected out and strange and weird because they belong to this less than 1% of the Irish population. And everywhere they go and every conversation they have, if the subject of them being a Christian, be having been a Christian, or wanting to be a Christian comes up, it's almost like a bad smell breaks out in the room. It's a heavy weight to carry, the weight of heritage. But God doesn't have any grandchildren. He has only children. Would anyone say amen? amen. That weight of heritage can sometimes be born, and I so profoundly and deeply respect Christian teenagers in particular who carry the identity and the name of Jesus Christ into their school places, into the places where they play and socialize and rest. I so admire Christian teenagers for what they're able to do and carry a very heavy burden in a resistant, not even a resistant, a hostile society. Sometimes we carry around the weight of defensiveness. We're afraid to fail. And so we become defensive. It's one of my weaknesses, by the way, just in case you're wondering, I'm a defensive person. I get defensive. If somebody criticizes me, I get defensive. It's ridiculous. Some people are deflective. They blame something else or they blame someone else. It's good, but unfortunately, I take it personally. It's one of my own weaknesses. So don't I criticize me. Don't worry, I'll defend myself. I'll be there. I'll show up. And I think Goliath carried all those weights, and I think some of those weights are on the shoulders of people inside here today. Ordens that we were never designed to carry. And in a strange way, Goliath becomes kind of an example of what we're like. Whereas you take David, he comes into the situation, he doesn't have heritage as an issue. He's the youngest kid in the family. Nobody takes him seriously. He clearly doesn't have too much pride going on with him because he seems quite happy to take the criticisms that are thrown at him. He certainly doesn't feel the weight of responsibility, but takes it on very quickly and very easily and has the confidence to carry it out. In that sense, he's a great example. And in that sense, Goliath is a terrible example of how we should fight our battles. Because David fights light. He goes into the battle carrying none of the weight that we carry when we go into our battles. And that's such a significant difference. And when Saul goes in, calls David to his, to, to his tent and says, try on this. What you see is you see Saul's attempt to fight the enemy on his own terms. I want to tell you this. You will not win the spiritual battle in your life. You will not win the lifetime battle in your life on your enemy's terms. You will not win it. You've got to fight on God's terms. To fight on the enemy's terms is to take Jesus' words in Luke's gospel and turn them on their head. When he says, bless those who curse you. That's so hard, isn't it? Isn't it a lot easier to curse those who curse you? But then you're just fighting them on their own terms. When he says, pray for those who persecute you. What? Shouldn't I curse those who persecute you? He says, no. Pray for those who persecute you. That's hard. That means you're not fighting on their terms. You're fighting on God's terms. Amen. When he says, 
Give to those who want to take from you. That's not the culture of the world. Not individual rights are so important. No, it's take from those who want to take from you. Curse those who curse you. Slap. If somebody comes and slaps you on the cheek, Jesus said, turn them the other one. Oh yeah? I wonder how easy that would be. We retaliate and we fight on the enemy's terms. And that's what Saul wanted to do. He wanted to take Goliath on on his terms. But David was taking him on on his terms. David spoke to this Philistine and uh, jumped forward. You come at me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. Not by fighting their way, not by fighting physically. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Can you imagine if you went into your days, whatever struggles you face, whatever situations you face, you said, you know what? I am not going to fight with sword and spear today. I'm not going to go in and fight in the way that the enemy wants me to fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. And the battles that you face in your life belong to the Lord. And that's why David was able to say to the Lord, he says this in Psalm 34, he says, Oh Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. He goes on, prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Do you need victory in your life today? The Lord gives victory to his people. Would anyone say amen? amen? Let me tell you what we see in the New Testament. All this talk of swords and armor and fighting. When we see it in the, when we see it in the Old Testament, it is almost always a pre-shadow to what we see in the New Testament. And what we see in the Old Testament is the physical use of spears and swords. And yet in the New Testament, we see something different. We see something different going on. This is what we, I want to talk about. The weightless armor of God. We read in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have to fight with the armor of God, but it doesn't actually have any weight. It doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't slow us down and it doesn't stop us. Here's what Paul said. He said we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have the power from God. These weapons can destroy the enemy's place, strong places and we destroy men's arguments. He said that to the Corinthian church. We've, the, the weapons we fight with aren't the same. We don't strike back the way that they strike at us. We don't hit them the way that they hit us. We don't attack them the way that they attack us. And he gives us this fantastic illustration in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, therefore, as we go into battle, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after battle, you will still be standing firm. Do you want to stand firm after the battle? I want to stand firm after the battle. I want us to look just for one second about the weightless armor of God. And just want to take this on board just for a few moments. Let's look at this. Paul tells us to wear the following things. He tells us to wear the belt of truth. And when we talk about truth, it isn't some people think, well, it's God's truth. No, I just want to say this to you. You don't pray on the armor of God. It's not a magical trick like you saw in Harry Potter's Expelliarmus book or some crazy thing like that. This is remarkably practical and profoundly spiritual. The belt of truth. That's two things. It's God's truth. Believe God's truth about your life. Would anyone say amen? amen. But he also is saying, tell the truth. Live truthfully. Otherwise your pants will fall down. 
If you're not wearing a belt, your pants will fall down. You'll be caught with your pants down if you don't tell the truth. He's talking about truthful living. He talks about armor. The breastplate of righteousness is what it's referred to in some of the older translations. The body armor of righteousness and right living. It's righteousness, yes, God's righteousness protecting us. But it's also right living that is protecting us. This doesn't weigh anything. It actually makes us lighter. Are you with me? It makes us lighter for the battle. He talks about wearing the shoes of peace. No, the, this is fantastic. The peace that comes from the gospel is one thing. The other thing is, are we peaceful about the way that we go about our business? Or are we hostile and aggressive and looking for a fight and sorting people out and beeping at them in the traffic? You know, somebody pulls up in front of you, beep at that guy, Fill in the blanks yourself. Or are we wearing shoes of peace? I love it. The, 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 the Romans wore these shoes to go into battle. Paul is saying wear them to go in in peace. But it's also God's peace. The confidence that God has your situations in his hands. Would anyone say amen? He talks about wearing the helmet of salvation. Protect your head. And when he's talking about the helmet of salvation, the Romans wore a helmet to protect their heads physically. But he's saying, have on your mind that you are saved. Don't let your mind become bogged down. Don't let your head become full of anxiety and worries and cares and concerns. But protect your mind by your salvation, knowing that God is watching over your every move. And he says the sword, God's word. Not only reading it and knowing it and speaking it, but living it. That's what James said. Don't just be readers of the word, but doers of the word also. You must do it also. So when we look at this armor that God tells us to put on, some of you here need to put on truth. You need to tell the truth. You've got a situation, you need to tell the truth. Some of you need to put on right living, living right. You know the way that you're living is wrong. I'm not accusing anyone or condemning anyone, but there is a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live, and you know the difference. Some of you are looking for trouble. You're looking to sort someone out, fix something up, even take revenge. But the Lord is saying, wear the shoes of peace. Put on peace. Be a peaceful person. Will anyone say amen? amen? Some of you today are really struggling. I love it when it talks about the fiery darts of the devil. Is what Paul says specifically in this passage. He says, wear the shield of faith against the fiery darts of the devil. And even today, the fiery darts of the devil are flying and have flown into lives and hearts and souls in this room. Finally, God's word. You need to read it. You need to pick it up. You need to look at it. You need to take it more seriously. Rather than taking it just, as I often did, especially when I was a young Christian, one verse a day with a glass of water. You know, that'll do me fine. If I just get rid of the headache that I have. We need to take God's word seriously. We need to know it. Read it. Use it. Live it, brothers and sisters. Live it as best as we possibly can. See, I know that many people here today have burdens. You've come in here with burdens. And when I spoke about the burdens we spoke about a while ago, a bell went off in your soul. I'm going to ask you a question in, in just a second, but I want to talk to you about your burdens. I want to talk to you about the things that are on your mind and in your hearts and in your souls. I love, there was a, there was a, a Christian preacher. His name has just literally escaped out of my mind. But there was this quote written about him. It wasn't written by him. And I'm quoting it by another guy who quoted this. And this is what he said about the burdens that we carry. He said, we need to lay them down. Sometimes that means laying down our weapons, which means laying down a fight, letting go of a battle that we are so eager to have with somebody. Sometimes we have to lay down our 
weapons. Sometimes we have to lay down the burdens that we're carrying of heritage, responsibility, of expectation. So often we lay that on our own shoulders and we can be ruined by it. We need to lay it down. I love this, what this quote says. It says, if not one hair on your head goes unnumbered, if not one tear on your face goes unseen, and there are the references, and if not one cry from your mouth goes unheard, then not one of our worries goes unnoticed by God. Hallelujah. Not one of the things you carry goes unnoticed by God. Maybe the band would come up. We're going to sing a song in a second. This is how I fight my battles. We're going to sing that song in a second. The guys are going to war. But let me ask you a question before we finally close for this morning's meeting. I have a quick question to ask you. Have you got something that you need to lay down this morning? Have you got a burden you need to lay down? Have you got an expectation, a responsibility that you're carrying that you need to lay down, a heritage, a weight that you're carrying in your mind and in your soul that just needs to be let down and handed over and given over so that you can fight light? Let me ask you, what weight do you have to lay down today? What burden is keeping you from fighting light? What burden is keeping you from fighting light? What armor or weapon do you have to take off when you think of the armor and the weapons that, that the enemy of God was carrying? What armor or weapon do you have to take off? What are you armed with that you have to take off? What do you need to put on today? Of the list that we put up, do you need to put on peace, truth, right living? What do you need to put on 